Sometimes we get so obsessed with making Christianity look good for the world. But here's the thing. It never will. Let's stop with the never-ending PR campaign to make us appear compatible with the culture or make us look prettier than we really are. This is the Dangerous Faith Podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Williams. The world will never like us. The world will never agree with us. There are reasons for this that we will talk about, but but let's stop doing something. Let's stop putting makeup on Christianity. Our faith on its own has some things that are tough to stomach. And then we don't make things any better by screwing up all the time as humans. Like, I'll, I'll admit it, like, we mess up a lot. So we tend to do press relations or PR campaigns on two fronts. The first is when we mess up. You you know how it is. A celebrity speaker or a pastor goes down from an affair or some financial troubles. And our first question is, what will the world think of us? We have to stop messing up so that we don't get a worse reputation. What can we do? How can we spin it? How can we frame it? Now, I'm sympathetic to this. We're supposed to set good examples, and we're supposed to be a light to the world. There is real grief when someone like a Carl Lentz or a Ravi Zacharias, when when they fall, and there should be grief. We also have to be careful not to become self-righteous. You and I could be next if we let our pride take over. As soon as you think, Oh, that would never happen to me. Not in a million years. You're a prime suspect to be attacked by your flesh, the world, and Satan. But my answer to this is practical. If you read the New Testament, the early church was full of messed up people. The Corinthians were all over the place, and the churches described in Revelation at the beginning were everything from lazy to idolatrous. Now, outside of the New Testament, if you read the rest of church history up till now, you'll understand that everyone is messed up. If you know human nature, you know that you are messed up. So when when one of our own slips and falls, I get the panic. I get the despair. What will the world think of us, we cry. However, I think we need a different task. Yes, we need to be smarter and wiser. Yes, we need to be careful. However, when we fail, let's keep moving on with the mission. Let's understand that we will never be perfect. More inappropriately, because you know something bad did happen. But then get back up and keep fighting the good fight. This is such an opportunity for us to point people to Jesus. We can talk about the the prostitutes that found a family with Jesus. We can talk about the corrupt government officials like Zacchaeus who found a new life in Jesus. We can talk about murderers like Paul and David who found forgiveness and love in God. So let's mourn when we fail, but never cease to point the world to Jesus who was perfect for us. 
I remember talking to one lady who goes to my school and she was just distraught over the way certain Christians were acting. It was over the last election. And she was going on and on about how there was no hope and how everything seemed so dark. And I get that. You know, we mess up a lot. I know I mess up a lot. But I think that's the whole point, really, of Christianity. Even Christians are screw-ups. And so we point people back to Jesus. So that's the first front of PR that we are tempted to do. My answer, like I've told you, is simple and practical. Mourn and move on. Point people to the gospel. It's not the end of the world. It's all over the New Testament. Let's keep on moving. But what is the second way that we try to make Christianity pretty? I'm going to call this the fine print. We like to hide the unpleasant truths of Christianity until much later in someone's walk before we talk about it. When we invite people to church, we talk about God's love and a lot of fluffy stuff. We talk about forgiveness and grace and all that. Now, I don't have a problem with this necessarily because it's all true. God loves us and God gives us grace. My problem comes, however, when we ignore the fact that there are dark sides to Christianity. There is an eternal hell of some form, even though, you know, we disagree on what exactly that might be. And many people are going there. If you're a Calvinist, you have to deal with the fact that God chose some people and didn't choose other people for some reason. And, like, really good luck trying to explain that to a hostile non-believer because oftentimes it's not going to go well for you. I know this because I used to be a hardcore Calvinist. And just telling people, telling non-believers, well, God chose some and not others, and that's how certain people end up saved, that's a really hard sale. That's a really hard sell, I should say. It's really tough. And there are deep questions about people who never get to hear the gospel before they die. There are questions about what happens to babies when they die. There are tough questions about evil and suffering. And the fact that some people seem to have easy lives while others are just filled with pain. God is also a God of judgment and wrath. According to the Bible, there are people that God hates. And you often don't hear about that. And I could go on and on. Christianity needs some warning labels attached sometimes. Like, it's not an easy, fluffy thing to to handle. And history has not been kind to us. So the Romans persecuted us because they thought we were atheists. We only worship one God instead of many like them. On top of that, Romans loved things that were older. They thought the older a religion, the older an idea, the better it was. And Christians were new. New was a terrible thing. And so we were persecuted. We were torn apart in gladiator arenas. In China and the old Soviet Union, we were killed because we worship a higher authority than the government. And with the communist system, that doesn't work. Communism, uh, under communism, the government has to be the highest authority. Well, Christians don't believe that. 
And then from the Middle East to Africa, from the beginning to the end, Christians have been killed for many reasons. From being atheists, like we talked about, to being polytheists. Some some people look at us and see that we worship three in one, the Trinity, and they say, oh wow, you're polytheists, you're pagans. We've been killed for not bowing to the government, to not giving up Jesus. Sometimes in the midst of all this from the dark parts of Christianity to just the fact that we've suffered persecution from our very beginning, we think we need to paint a pretty picture for people. No, Christianity itself is repulsive to many. You and I are sinners. Apart from God, we're going to hell. There is no other way to go to heaven except through Jesus. God calls us to suffer. God calls us to repent and change from our evil ways. We will be wildly unpopular for believing that a man is a man and a woman is a woman, regardless of how we feel. We will be hated for saying that premarital sex is sinful or that marriage is between one man and one woman. God calls us to forgive people who hurt us, to love our enemies. There is no way of making our faith look good for a world that lives for pleasure. We have to quit trying to hide certain doctrines or apologize for our core beliefs. Christianity is not a lovable system on the outside. So what's my answer to this second point? We don't have anything to hide. So let's stop hiding. I'm not going to apologize for God. I'm not going to apologize for what's in my Bible, no matter how uh, politically incorrect it is. I'm not going to apologize for a Christian ethical system that uh, upholds life from the unborn to, uh, to the elderly. Now, we do have to be seasoned with grace and love as we stand for the truth. That's for sure. Let's not be jerks. The gospel is already offensive on its own. So let's not, add, let's not add our own stupidity to the mix. But we are to be bold with our faith. Romans 1 verse 16 tells us to be unashamed for the gospel. Be confident and stand your ground. So to, to wrap everything up, we, we as Christians have a tendency to run a PR campaign on two fronts. The first is when some famous Christian falls to serious sin and we despair and we cry over our wounded reputation. The second is when we try to hide the unpleasant parts of Christianity in the hopes of fooling people to become Christians before we show them the fine print. Let's do neither of those things. To both, I say, be strong and keep fighting. Mourn when you need to. Ask for forgiveness when necessary. But move on and stand your ground. So we're going to move on now to the devotional for today. It comes from Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 through 21. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through a spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. 
And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power, together with all the Lord's people, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. All right, let's let's make a few quick comments. The first I'm going to, now there's a lot in this passage, but I'm going to stop at verse 18. And this is one of the most beautiful verses in the Bible, in my humble opinion. I don't know what you think. But anyways, uh, is it verse 18? Yeah, it's verse 18. Uh, To grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. Paul is trying to paint a picture for us. Paul is trying to set the scene that the love of Christ is infinite. It's eternal. It goes down forever. It goes up forever. It's wide and it's long. And we are loved by Christ. That's incredible, and that's comforting. And then we move on to verse 19 for uh, for our second point. Also, it's a love that surpasses knowledge. We're not going to be able to understand it. Sometimes I don't get why God loves us. I don't get why God forgives me. I've messed up so much. So this is a love and a grace towards us that I don't understand. Sometimes it doesn't make sense. It surpasses knowledge knowledge. And then for our final point, uh, let's let's look at verses 20 and 21. This is called a doxology. It's kind of like a blessing. And now to him who's able to do immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine, according to his power that's inside of us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus for all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Now that's just beautiful. Sometimes the Bible has this poetry to it that makes me pause. Paul will be talking about doctrine. He'll be praying. He'll be doing something. And then sometimes in the middle of his letters, he'll just stro- he'll just stop and drop a doxology like this. And it's an incredible blessing. Let's appreciate some of the, the beautiful parts of the scriptures. And I think that's awesome way that's an awesome way of ending this devotional it's it's good to think on and dwell on and pray on throughout our day anyways let me pray and then we'll sign off father give us a glimpse of our of your love for us the love of christ Give us a glimpse of this love that surpasses knowledge, even if we can't fully understand it, Lord. Help us to to feel it. Help it to dwell in us so that we can love others. And then finally, I just want to say that your word is beautiful. It's so incredible. It's such a feast of richness to dwell on. Help us to appreciate it on deeper and deeper levels. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, friends, that's all for today, so I'm going to sign off. In case I don't see you, good afternoon, good evening, and good night.